All right, Rad Dads, and we're back for another episode. I'm Rob. And I am Sal. I don't know why I whispered that, but it's all good. We're here with another episode. It's been a long time since we recorded, Sal. Yes, extremely long time. It's felt like over a year. And I want to apologize to, to everybody listening. I may sound a little nasally. Uh, that's because I got a uh, tissue jammed up my nose. Uh, just before we uh, started recording, I got a bloody nose. You could thank Rob for that. My son comes into the recording studio. He goes, Mr. Sal, what happened to your nose? He goes, your dad punched me. <laughs> like, no, he did not. <laughs> it's weird. Every so often, I, it just out of the blue, I just get a runny nose. And it's it's always the same nostril every single time. It doesn't alternate. It's the same one. Really? And yeah. And if I, if I blow really hard and get everything out, it stops. Or I just jam tissue up my nose and start recording a podcast. That's great. If he blows it really hard. Oh man. The avenues I could go go in there. The avenues I could go down with that one. So tonight we are going to talk about something that I feel Sal and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion. So I felt it was a good episode topic. Uh we're gonna talk about sleepovers. Yes. And and not not adult sleepovers. Yeah, not adult sleepovers. We're talking about your children. <laughs> I always go there. We're talking about your children going to sleep over, sleeping over their friend's house. Although if there was an adult sleepover, that'd be kind of... Isn't that like guys weekend? Uh, I, I, yeah, I when guess. you go camping? Sure, yeah, sure. That's an adult sleepover. That's about it. the only sleepovers we get in these days. So when I was growing up, Sal, I went on a ton of sleepovers. I think even when I was as young as our youngest, your youngest, my oldest... I was already going on sleepovers and we were having sleepover parties. Really? Yeah. I'm wow. Pretty sure. Around around ten, I think was was about the the age. So since you have older children by one and two years, yes. What are you seeing? What do what goes on? Or are you okay with it? So when I was, I don't think sleepovers started. I think sleepovers started when I was like seventh eighth grade for me, and it was I think. Only two of my really closest friends, and I believe that's because my parents were friends with their parents as well, so there was a trust factor. I did it when I was a kid, but it it was guys, uh, same two houses. But now, as my daughters get older, I've been asked numerous, numerous times. Girls, my girls, my daughter's friends have slept over our house, and I think my daughters have slept out once, and that was it. Um, is there, so was it your oldest who slept out or all three? My oldest and my middle. So you can, uh, you can only imagine what my youngest constantly, can I sleep over? And it's just like crazy. My, my wife doesn't mind other girls sleeping by our house. And, and, and when that happens, I don't want to say I disappear, but I, I tend to stay in my room and I don't. If they're outside, you know that I'm hanging around the living room, whatever. And then, and then when they're inside, I'll put a movie on and then I'll go do my thing. Um, but yeah, my wife is not a big fan of sleep sleeping out. And why is that? Is there a reason for that? Or people are strange. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just. I mean, there could be so many reasons. <laughs> People are strange, man. No, no, I agree. People are strange. I think growing up, I don't know how many kids' houses I slept over, but it definitely was was a handful that I can think of. I remember one time when I was probably a teenager or so that 
I slept out on New Year's Eve because I remember my mom's response is like, she's, she's like, now it begins. And I was like, what do you mean now it begins? She's like, she made a comment like, oh, this is the beginning of the end. You know, like that this was going to continue. I was growing up and I was coming out of like that. Well, childhood. I mean, that was a special night, New Year's Eve. And you decided to sleep out. Yeah. And not spend it with your family. Shame on you, Robert. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a block away from my parents' house, so it wasn't it wasn't far. So wait, your parents were off to a party while you were having your own party on New Year's Eve. No, my parents were home. Oh, my parents were home with my brother, my younger brother. But I slept at my friend's house, who's like was around the corner. Um, so his parents were out, and you guys were partying. No, his parents were home. His parents were, <laughs> were, were that, that would have not happened at his house. I would say I would let my kids sleep over. I, we did try it with my older one a year ago. Maybe, no, it had to be two years ago. So we tried it when he was eight. It didn't work. And we really haven't tried since there. It was He was eight or nine. He's 10 and a half now. I think at some point we'll let him try again, but he still has problems sleeping. So I'm not really keen on dropping him off at someone's house. But there's also that aspect, and this has happened to us before with when our kids had friends over, it gets to a certain time and the child starts crying and they want to go home. They don't want to spend the night. And and that's happened before. And I want to say, I don't know, I kind of remember that happened to my one daughter, but it's I got foggy memory here. There is that aspect that you're dealing with because at a certain age, then they start missing mommy and daddy and they want to go home and they're afraid. You know, I, I think the one time we were up at like midnight, one o'clock and the kid was crying and wanted to go so home. it happened both ways for us we had someone sleep over they were crying we're very close with the family so it was it was like a non-event i think we no one really thought twice about it we said all right we'll take you home and then my older one slept at their house and the same thing happened he cried and <laughs> came home so we we've had uh, we've tried and to be honest it's not something i'm not big into having to do it again i think i'd have someone sleep here but because I know my son, sons, I don't think really them sleeping out is is the ideal situation. I think if, you know if if they're here, it's, what do it's you not mean? a dude. Your fucking kids are out like seven o'clock at night. Uh, I know, but <laughs> does the other true. child have the same uh, no sleep schedule? <laughs> no, no, that's the other problem, right? So my kids past eight o'clock become gremlins. So it's it's not <laughs> it's not a winning situation, and, and they do like to. Well, tonight they were up until like 8.15, 8.30. But like they, they don't last long past 8 o'clock. Like late is 9. Well, we, we've we hung out, I think, to about 9 or so. Yeah, 9 or and 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, then it, and that's when they start rubbing the eyes yeah. and coming around more and laying on you. Yeah. yeah. And then no matter what, it's, it's not. It's not. Uh, they're not able to extend it. So even at that point and. I guess for me, are they missing out on any on any social, you know, situations? I don't think so. Like, yeah, it's cool. I remember doing it. I know our town does like a, a sleepaway thing when they graduate fifth grade. Um, I did it. What? Yeah, they do. I sur- uh, Camp Spears Elder Bar. Never heard of that. Yeah. So when you I've re- had a, two fifth graders already, and well, I guess both during COVID, COVID. they canceled it. Actually, for both okay. of them. So maybe your third may be able to participate. What's it called? Camp Spears Elger Bar. Elger Bar? Yeah, Elger Bar. What is it? E-L-G-I-B-A-R. Where did it go? Uh, it's a YMCA in like New York, I think. Oh. I went when I was a kid. You can chaperone too. 
uh, parent chaperone it, and they go up to this YMCA, I think, for two nights. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's actually a, a fun experience. And the reason they do it is because our little small town has two elementary schools, and that's like kind of the... The co-mingling of The everybody. co-mingling of it. And we did it when we were in sixth grade. It was it was a good time. Do, doesn't um, the the Museum of Natural History have something like that? Where the hell did I hear it? That they the big they got the big whale. That's yeah, the Museum so, of Natural History. And yeah. everybody sleeps under the museum. The, 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 so Cub Scouts whale. does that. Okay, that's where I heard it. So Cub Scouts, I know. So not our, but I, I do know that Cub Scouts, other packs that I that I've talked to, they actually have done that and rented that out. Bigger packs. Uh, we did the National Museum of Air or something like that, Air Force, which is down in Teterboro, right next to the Teterboro Airport. Yep. And we slept there. That was not fun. <laughs> when you don't have a cot. <laughs> <laughs> that linoleum floor is not comfortable. No. No. Um, but that that was like, that was cool. I, I thought that was like a cool little thing. Unfortunately, my sons don't do that anymore. It was one and done with my oldest and my youngest was like, no, thanks. He's like, no, not, not a chance. Um, but honestly, for me, I think sleepovers are definitely like part of adolescence. I think again, for me, this is someone who came from sleeping. I did had plenty of sleepovers when I was a child, had plenty of kids sleep over my house, but I also went to sleepaway camp and even talking to my wife, I was like, I would love to send our kids to sleepaway camp. She's like, it's so expensive. I was like, well, it's really, it's, it's more expensive than day camped for sure, but it's really not crazy expensive. Um, and I did it. For seven years growing up. Wow. Yeah. So not, so as I got older and extended and my dad always jokes, like I got asked not to come back, but I was also 15 <laughs> at that point. How, how long is sleepaway camp? It can be a week. It could be two weeks. It can be four weeks. It really depends. So my parents, I think the first sleepaway camp, and it may not be the first, but the first one I went to was West Point baseball camp. Now that's not a fun camp. That, <laughs> that is, you're, you mess around, you, you talk, pass lights out. You're sitting in the hallway with your nose against the wall. Jesus. Like it, it's it's serious, and this is supposed to be camp. Like my dad said the other day, he's like, he's like, this is supposed to be camp, not like military camp. So it was serious. It was good. It kept me gave me some good baseball skills. But then again, it, we went from there, and then went to a sleepaway camp, which was like all activity camp in Pennsylvania. That was fun. They had quads. They had um, they had wow. a lake. They had uh, windsurfing. See, my dude, my issue with that is with all these fucking stories you hear about these sexual predators. It's you know. So I think that's my wife's issue. That's as well. That's that's the number one issue, man. Like Boy Scouts of America, they they all the fucking sexual predators in Boy Scouts of America. It's just you just never know. That's the problem. You never know, and and they take an authoritative figure stance. And, and your kids are defenseless because they're, you know, if you do sleepaway camp, they're out wherever they are yeah. for either a week or two weeks, whatever it is. And it could start on day one. It could start on day three and just continue. And you have no idea. So I don't know how they vet the counselors, but there's something called, I'm going to screw this up because I, I knew it 20 years ago, 25 years ago, but it's like an international thing where they get these counselors, they vet them, and they are then, I assume, positioned across multiple camps. Because the one camp that I went to had a brother and sister camp, and I think there were three camps in total by the family who owned it. So there was definitely a vetting process for the counselors, along with there's two counselors per cabin, there's 10 kids in a cabin. There's like 10 cabins. Like there's a lot. There's a lot of oversight. I I get that, man. It would have to be some huge conspiracy. But then again, 
listen, this shit happens at home too, right? So yeah, it, I wouldn't if if I felt my kids could do it and I felt they would like it, I would totally send them. Now at the same point, am I worried that something can happen? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'd always be worried, but that can happen at home. That can be happen. It's more likely, and I and we should actually pull these statistics. I think it's more likely to happen if you know the person versus if you don't know the person. We spoke about this a lot. It is, yeah. right? It, it, it's more likely to happen with someone that you're familiar with yeah. than anything else. Yes. But, and you know what, man? Sleepaway camp is, is great because it builds that, it kind of cuts the umbilical cord with your child and you. You know, I, bo- both child both ways. and parent have to be ready for that. Yeah. Because some parents may not be ready to, 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 to let go. But- it, it kind of builds their them. Your it builds your child. It it, it it makes them. I don't want to say less dependent dependent on on you as a parent, but it makes them realize, oh shit, I'm here by myself. I don't have my mom and dad. I don't have my sisters or brothers, whatever. I got to make friends, and and I got to do this. I got to be strong. Yeah. So in a way, you know, there's pros and cons with it. Just anything, just like everything else. Yeah, I think it also opens up. The, the other thing I like about it is it kind of preemptively prepares you for, for college, for sleeping away for college, where you're going, you're meeting people you don't know for the first time. You're breaking the ice. You have to figure out your social skills and, and cues on how to do that. And honestly, the other thing, I didn't go alone. I went with three or four other people I knew oh, to so, that so camp. I, yeah, that so helped. You, you weren't completely alone. But I'll tell you, after that first year, I think it was the first two years, we went alone because this family started falling. Like, right, right, they're sure. like, all right, I'm not going to do this again. Our kids don't like it. Meanwhile, me and my brother are like, we want to go all summer. Well, you, you had your brother. Yeah. That's so, great. But we were in different cabins, right? Uh-huh. So we weren't together. We were too far apart because they separate you out by, by age range. Uh-huh. And But I met friends who, I, I mean, I still... Some friends I still keep in contact with. I mean, I've known them for, they're probably some of the longest friends wow, I've had. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. See, and that's, a, that's another pro pro about it is is you meet new people that, that you can I, possibly develop a lifelong friendship with. Yeah, and I mean, we met people for a long time. We, we all kept, there was a group of us who kept in contact. There was a bunch of people from like Bergen County. Did you guys chat on the Google? Or no, that was no, AOL really. at the time. Yeah, it was more AOL. <laughs> so there was a group of us who all kept in contact. And then back then when we were kids, we were sending letters. So we're... That's just cool, man. Yeah. So we knew there were people from Ohio. There Pen were people... Pals. People from Maryland. Yeah, there were, it was a vast network of people who went there. New York, Pennsylvania, Jersey, that, Maryland, Ohio. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was, it was cool. And we had a good time and game out in Scranton. Awesome time. I highly recommend it if your child and and your pa- the parent is ready for it, but that's key. Is the parent yeah. the parent has to be ready for it too? And I think we should do a special when we come back around next year, around to February, is you know camps. What camps are our parents looking at? Like you know day camp. What, where do they think the best value is for their children? And does the money equate to what you're getting back from it? It was an experience, and it was an incredible experience. So I mean the whole sleepover thing, uh, you're 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 you know you're for it. I'm I'm against it. But you know other parents are different depending on you know relationship with the parent, the people that mm. you, your kids are their house they're sleeping over and like my my kids they've been invited for birthday party sleepover and we told the parent they can stay 
there late as possible till the girls start falling asleep and then I'll come pick them up, you know? But yeah. I, listen, I also think it depends on the familiarity with the parents. Yes. So obviously I don't, uh, I'm not a, a gun advocate. So, you know, if, if I know someone has firearms in the house and they're having a sleepover, that kind of makes me a little uneasy. Um, as well as, you know, as these kids get into more of the teenage realm, they're going to start be looking at, Hey, you know, how are you do, doing? Well, no, not only that, but like, Hey, do you have alcohol? Do you have gummies? Do you, you know, does your family smoke? Does it vape? Like those things are going to listen. Our kids are young still. That shit's going to become a reality real quick. And if I know a parent does gummies or, you know, does things that I, I don't necessarily agree with or has a gun in the house, most likely I'm going to say, Hey, no. See, and that's my, that, that's another issue with sleepovers is you, you know they drink, you know they have gummies, and you know they have firearms. Bad not, combination. I'm not, not, not to say that they're an irresponsible uh, individual, but anything can happen. You know? Yeah, and I think it's... One night you decide to take one too many gummies, or one night you decide to drink one too many bottles of bourbon. It, it just... Bottles. Yeah, bottles. <laughs> so it, it, it's just... It's, I don't know. I, I just think that there, to me, I, I'm always looking at. I don't want to say the 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 bet, what can go wrong, but I, yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. I just line don't of like thought. putting my kids in that situation. If I can avoid the situation, you know, I, I avoid the situation. No, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a great, you know, thought, and I think for our dad lesson, which is a perfect like transition. Um, I think our dad lesson is really. I, I'm pro sleepover and, and you're kind of anti sleepover or you are anti sleepover. I think it really determines it's a case by case basis, right? I agree. I think it's, you know, your, you and your child's comfort with the situation and, you know, understanding who the parents are and having a level of comfort with them. And then from, from that standpoint being, you know, do you prefer kids to sleep at your house or do you prefer your kids to sleep at someone else's house? And at the same point is take weighing that all into in, into consideration. I think I'm still, my kids are still a little bit too young to, uh, for me to have to worry about the gummies and the, well, not the gummies, but the, the alcohol. But I think gummies for me is a major issue. If I know someone has them, my kids aren't sleeping there. Like it's, it's just too easy. The, the kids are going to the find them. If they're not, yeah, if they're not under lock and key and, and, and the kids get into it, it's, because the kids aren't going to know. No. And I, and I can't fault them. The parents won't know either. They, they, the parents don't know. If they're out to work and the kids are snooping and they're home alone. I mean, that can happen anytime the kids are over someone's house. And I get that. But at the same point, there's, you know, there's like we have a neighbor two doors down. And my kids are over there all the time. And they're over here all the time. And we're pretty comfortable because we're both rep- responsible as parents. But a lot of times they're outside. And that's, you know, that's fine. If yeah, they want to be in sure. the creek, they want to be running around. You know, I, and I talk to, to that father all the time. And he, and he actually said to me tonight, he's like, this is the way it should be. These kids should be outside I, running to one another's house saying, hey, do you want to come out? All right, I'll come out. You know, 100%. I agree. So, and, and I even thanked him tonight because they, they had people over and my kids went over there and like, oh, you want to play? <laughs> and I'm like, you guys just are not good on social cues. Like, what the heck? <laughs> 
I didn't even know until they came over and go, oh, the kids from our soccer team's there. And I was like, you guys are the worst. <laughs> um, but at the same point, so I think that's the dad lesson is really case-by-case case basis. Be aware of where your kids are sleeping. Be aware of the parents. And be aware if, if they have habits that you don't agree with or you're comfortable with. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, don't don't be if you know that the, the parent has a firearm, just hey, hey, look, I know you got firearms. Uh, I'm not saying you're not a responsible individual, but are they locked up? Are they in a safe? Some parents may say, no, it's under my mattress. Some parents may say, yeah, it's 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 on the lock and my key. bed. And look, didn't and, you have one against your headboard at one point? Well, my when, when I didn't have any kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah, you didn't have any I kids. had my uh, but it doesn't mean there's parents who don't have that. Correct. I agree. But there's also snooping kids. Yeah. So if you are a responsible gun owner, a responsible gun owner should have their guns locked up. You know, I, I get it. You want to have one uh, on the ready in the event that there's a bump in the night. Get yourself a biometric safe. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask the parent if you know they have firearms, if they're locked up. That's I'm sure they're going to respect your uh, inquiry as is Anybody would ask me, hey, you have guns. Yes. Are they locked up? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask that question. Awesome. So now we are going to move on to our bourbon tasting. Woohoo! So what are we tasting tonight, Sal? We are tasting a barrel bourbon, single barrel cask strength. Yowza. So it is classified as a straight bourbon whiskey. Distillery is Barrel Craft Spirits. Proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Proof is 115.38. We should have videotaped this episode. 57.67% <laughs> uh, uh, alcohol by volume. Age, six years. Filtration is unknown. Batch size. It is single barrel. And we are sipping from barrel number Z as in zebra, one alpha six. And this is bottle number 115. Mash bill is unknown. Awards uh, unknown. Color, I'm going to say it's dark amber. Price point anywhere is between 89 and 99. If you're paying more than $99, stop, stop paying secondary market bourbon prices. So history about a barrel bourbon. Joe Beatrice uh, is the owner and founder of uh, Barrel Bourbon. He built his career on new ideas. He's a former marketing and technology entrepreneur, founded his first company, Blue Dingo Digital, in the 90s to help companies use the internet to establish brand and grow their products. Blue Dingo. That's, that's an interesting name. After 20 years, Joe's, Joe was ready to change a long-time home brewer. Joe saw the true magic of spirits after a transformative experience tasting whiskey straight from the barrel for the very first time. 2013, he launched Barrelcraft Spirits in Louisville, Kentucky, the epicenter of American spirits industry. Instead of building his own distillery, Joe questioned the conventional wisdom and took a different course. He sourced a blended exceptional cask from established producers, bottled whiskeys at a cask strength, and sold them as transparently as possible. That approach was unique in the United States, but not the world. 
Scotland's long-established independent bottlers were a major inspiration, and Joe was captivated by their ability to elevate barrels of whiskey into something greater than some of their parts. Joe's visionary instincts were spot on. Barrel craft spirits, cask strength, small batch, and single barrel releases quickly became an influence force in America whiskey, American whiskey, picking upwards from the world's most prestigious spirits competitions. Joe is intimately involved in every single step of the production process at Barrelcraft Spirits, using his exceptional uh, palate alongside the BCS blending team to choose and create great spirits. Now, I, I want to say, uh, I know you just heard me say the blending team. So this single barrel is not a blend. This single barrel is exactly what it, it says. It's a single barrel. They do have blended um, blended barrels. Uh, creative finishes and, and, and liberated approach to blending and a deep-seated commitment to releasing each whiskey at cask strength and without chill filtration. Just like the fateful barrel tasting years ago, it continues to guide every uh, product release. That's a little history on a barrel bourbon. So, nose and aroma... Uh, I, I get the caramel, toasted oats, and the oak. That's on the wet glass. Now, if you've listened to our podcast and listened to our bourbon tastings in the past, we've developed a three-glass um, tasting, sniffing sniffing method. Our third glass is a, is a dry glass. But anyway, uh, listen to previous uh, episodes. You'll know what the third-glass method is. So on the third glass, surprising is super peaty, the, the, the aroma. I mean, super peaty. It's almost like you're drinking a scotch. The taste is not peaty at all. So if you do the third glass method as we do, you will definitely get super surprised. I mean, I was. There's a sweetness to that third glass as well which i didn't smell the first time but it's definitely you should take a, a sniff of it oh the peatiness mellowed out yeah it definitely did mellowed is that out. because the, it's, it's drying out no it's still there there's something there's a there's a sweetness in there as well i don't know if it's caramel or vanilla but there's definitely um vanilla. sweet it's vanilla right yeah. it's definitely not caramel it's definitely vanilla uh so yeah third glass peaty definitely peaty um and and if you let it sit for longer than 10 minutes i get the vanilla vanilla in the dry glass on the no the wet glass caramel toasted oats and oak third glass pd at first mellows out to a vanilla tasting notes uh oak uh it's 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 a it's got a burn because of the 115 proof um i get hints of vanilla finish it's it's a caramel finish to me no, it's not a bad finish. I don't know what your palate is telling you, but it's a, and it's got a little bit of a spice. It also, can be considered as a burn. Overall, smooth considering the 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 strength of this bottle. Um, but I was getting a slight aftertaste before, which which was which was odd. I, I I couldn't really put my finger on what that aftertaste was, and and it was a lingering burn. So. You want to give your rating? I, I'm going to give rank this barrel. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven five. Wow. Yeah. I mean. All right. It, it's uh. It's. I I like it. 
And as always, we taste our bourbons neat. I do like it as well. Uh, I'm not going to be that generous on the ranking. I will give it uh, a one in price. I think the price point's high for me. Um, $89.99 for for a bourbon is crazy. I could buy two single barrel uh, Fort Roses for that price. And it's not one. I, I wouldn't consider this a shelf staple for me. It's just too pricey for, for my blood. I mean, to, to, to be a shelf staple, that that's a lot of money, man. $100. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's definitely not a shelf staple for me. Um, so back, uh, I'd say price price point's a one. I think aroma, I think the aroma is fantastic. So like Sal was saying, there's a peatiness in the dry glass, but there's also a hint of vanilla. It's like I was saying, a sweetness. Um, and even in the wet glass, there's um, is definitely an oak an oak undertone that's coming through in the wet glass. I, I'm going to give it a three. I love the smell. I love the uniqueness of it. As for the taste, it is a very, it, it's, it's 115 proof. It's harsh. Don't get me wrong. But for the 115 proof, it is actually a mellow 115 proof, but it is definitely um, more abrasive than, than your lower, um, alcohol by volume bourbons. So with that, I think I'm going to give that, um, a, th- a two because I do like the, I, I don't mind the taste. The taste ain't bad. It's just a little bit, uh, too harsh for me because I'm not, I don't like that, that high ABV for me. So that I'll give it a two. So overall, I'm going to give it a six. I mean, still it's, it's over a five. It's over a five. So, I, so the one fifteen gets you. The 115 gets me. It's not something I'm going to drink every day or, you know, multiple times a week on the weekends. That's more going to be my 15 under bottles, I think. There's a couple of $100 bottles that maybe I'll, I'll still do shelf staples, but they're far and few between. I know guys that start off with, um, if they're drinking bourbon, if, you know, they, they, they drink a bourbon that night, they start off with lower proof bottles and their last glass is that, like, fucking clobber like bookers bookers has yeah. 100 i think it was I 121 like or 126 yeah it, it's rough yeah when when you get up there and that that proof so i, I like to throw a, uh, an ice cube in there just to to mellow it out yeah so do i so i wonder if an ice cube would, would open this up a little bit possibly that is that's maybe next time we can do that we could put an ice cube in yeah. it and, and maybe we'll have uh, a different response to this yeah you know it's it, for me if, if i'm drinking bourbon i'm typically having one or two, um, one one or two drinks, and I I think no matter what the no one no matter what the ABV is, you're still going to end up fairly buzzed or, or intoxicated, even at even at um, you know ninety proof. You can have one or two. Uh, I typically so the way I drink it on the weekend when we're not doing tastings is typically with a with an ice cube. Extends the yes, experience. Yes, I agree. You, you're not. You're not. You're and not. You, and you know me. Like even when we hang out, I'm typically not drinking anything other than bourbon. So I need to have it extend some way or another, <laughs> or it's going to be a very short night. You don't, you don't want to get hammered on your first glass. Or yeah. Something like so that. sometimes I'll drink like something else. But what I realize is every time I drink something else and then drink bourbon, it's it's not a good. Experience. So it reminds me of uh, my cousin. We used to go to his house and. Hey, you want something to drink? Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and and he would make me a vodka something. So, first time, dude, first glass, I was I was I was done. 
So next time I was like, dude, I don't want my first class to be my last class because it was three quarters vodka and then a quarter of whatever yeah. he, I was like, dude, I don't drink vodka, vodka yeah. like you do. Just, you know, be a little, you know, a little, uh, don't be so o- over aggressive on the vodka. But yeah, I mean, it's all about pacing yourself and, and, and enjoying yourself. And look, like I said, the, the last podcast, everybody's pa- palate is different. Um, some people may like this. Some people may not. I think most people will like it. I think it's just the price point. That's, it's a little tough to stomach. I, I don't think it's mispriced. I, I just don't. I agree. I agree. But you know, what I had for dinner could, could have changed my palate for, for, for the taste. What you had for dinner could have changed the palate. What anyone else has for dinner, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of variables, but overall I, I enjoyed it. I, obviously I give it a seven. Oh, Sounds like you enjoyed it too. Just a little oh, higher proof for you for six zero, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's barrel bourbon, cast strength, single barrel. Thank you. Come again. All right, <laughs> and I think that wraps it up. This is a long episode. Rob's gonna have to edit it down, but we thank you for listening and tune in next time for another episode of the Rad Dads Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>